Welcome to Community Care Conversations, a podcast series sponsored by Elevate Health of Pierce County, Washington, and One Pierce Community Resiliency Fund, a subsidiary of Elevate Health. This episode of Community Care Conversations features host Robert Marshall-Wells, Director of Communications for Elevate Health. Today's conversation focuses on child sexual abuse. Robert's guest is Devandra Wheeler, a social worker and author of the book Nova Be Bold, which explains the impacts of sexual abuse from the perspective of a child. Now, here's our host, Robert Marshall-Wells. Hello, I'm Robert Marshall-Wells, the host for this episode of Elevate Health Podcast Community Care Conversations. Our guest today is Devondra Wheeler, a mental and behavioral health professional and advocate, who is also the author of a book that recently came to our attention titled Nova Be Bold, which explores the topic of child sex abuse written from the perspective of a child. Devondra, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's a pleasure. So let's start with the the obvious stuff. Could you please share with us a bit about your background, both professionally and personally? Um, So I grew up in the South Tennessee, moved to Illinois um, when I was 11. Um, From there, I joined the military and I was in the army for seven years. um, And I was stationed out here in Tacoma for majority of that time. Um, My first four years, I worked as a tech, pretty much like I worked with radios and computers and things like that. I didn't really like that. (laughs) That wasn't my cup of tea. So my last three years of my contract, um, I switched over to behavioral health and I really love doing that. And so I wanted to further that in my personal career as well outside of the military. So um I left the military in 2018, and I finished school to become a social worker out here at UW. Go Huskies. (laughs) Go Huskies. Yes, and um, yeah, that's it. Now I work with uh, Castile Williams and Associates as a peer coordinator, and I work with young kids in the area with their mental health and stuff. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we invited you to join us today because you've written and published a book titled Nova Be Bold. Please tell us what that's all about. So Novel Be Bold is um, a children's book that educates young readers about sexual abuse, and it also encourages them to speak up if they themselves have gone through it or if they know other kids in their life that have gone through it as well. Um, It comes with resources in the back for families. It comes with common signs of abuse in children and what to look for in um, the perpetrators as well. It also has study guide questions to kind of help parents ease into that conversation because it is a tough conversation to have. Um, This book was loosely based off of my own story growing up. I say loosely because at the end of the book, Nova does find help, and she's bold enough to go and ask for the help and tell somebody I wasn't. So that's just my hope for kids who read this book as well. So you've partially answered that next question, which is what <laughs> compelled you to write it, your your personal experiences, obviously. Yeah, so my personal experience, um, I want readers who um, get a hold of this book to feel confident to say something right. Um, you don't have to hold this type of 
um, news in. You don't have to hold that trauma in. You can have, find a trusted person to go to and um, talk with them about this. Why did you um, choose that particular approach? Uh, there are a lot of books, obviously, written about this topic, articles, mm-hmm. journal articles, and that sort of thing that take a more clinical approach to it. You decided to take a different tack. What was the benefit of doing so? Um, so I noticed that there wasn't really any resources for kids. Like you said, there's more of like the clinical approach and the effects of child sexual abuse after the fact. But what about beforehand, right? Like if, I feel like if I write this book, like writing it from this perspective allows me to plant the seed, address the issue before adulthood, right? And just kind of tackle it right then and there as a child. Is it something that you'd been thinking about for a while? So this idea came into fruition, I want to say maybe 2016. Um, so I was at an event at my church um, where we were getting to know um, other members of the church a little bit more intimately. And we're just kind of talking about our experiences through life. And I shared my own. And um, my pastor, he was just saying, you need to write a book about that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I didn't really, I didn't move on it until like two years later, though. Like, I just felt compelled, like, I need to get this book out now. And then two years after that <laughs> is when it actually came into fruition. Right, so. right. Wow. So sexual abuse is a very serious topic, obviously, especially for a children's book. What's your response to those, and I'm sure you've heard this, that say this is a little too heavy, it's a little too real for children? How would you respond to that? Um, so my response would be, well, isn't it too real when after it happens? I feel like this is it's going to be a tough conversation all around. The point is that it needs to be addressed because um, kids need to be aware that these things do happen and they need to know how to protect themselves. And if they, if it has already happened to them, they need to know that it's okay. Like you can go to somebody that you trust and talk about it. You can let somebody know you don't have to endure that abuse. You don't have to continue going through it. These things are important to know. So for instance, like I um, have a friend um, who has shared her story with me about her own child and some of the things that she wishes that she knew or her child knew um, prior to the abuse, it would have helped them get a conviction. So as far as, like, um, the child knowing um, the, the scientific terms of their body parts, um, they didn't know to um, call their body part a penis. They was calling it something else. And so they couldn't really get a conviction because they didn't use the correct terms. So it's too real when it gets to that point where you can't really help your child. So why not start at the beginning Mm -hmm. and teach them everything that they need to know and make them aware. So God forbid that something like that does happen to their child. They're prepared. Right. Knowledge is power. And to have it in advance gives you... um, not necessarily a weapon, but a defense, mm-hmm. uh, a way to defend yourself. So um, you have a professional background in mental and behavioral health, and you also hold a bachelor's degree in social work. What led you to enter this line of work? I feel I feel like this is like a cliche line because <laughs> I hear it a lot, but I know that I wanted to 
help people at some capacity. Um, I remember growing up, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys watched like CSI or Criminal Minds and of stuff. Of course, yes. But I've always wanted to, um, oh, dang, I can't remember his name right now, but he was the uh, forensic scientist on the show. Right. And so I always wanted to be him. And I was like, yeah, that's how I'm <laughs> going to help people. I'm going to do that. And that didn't quite work out for me. <laughs> and so um, it was this one particular moment. I want to say it was 2017 um, where I was going through a DV situation and I needed to go to the YWCA to get some assistance. And the social worker there, like, she was just so helpful. Like, at the when I was in her office, like, I was crying and I was just feeling hopeless and down and just depressed, right? And right. just, you know, I'm going through this traumatic experience. Like, how am I supposed to get through this? And right. she just just the little seeds of hope that she dropped into my life and just how attentive she was to me and just how she cared for me and saw me in that moment. I was like, once I got, once I got to a place to really process that and really take it in, I was like, I want to pay that forward. Like, that's how I want to help. I want to be, I want to be to people like how she was to me. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got into social work. Wow. Wow. Well, you found your path. It yes. might not have been as a criminal investigator, but <laughs> you're making your contribution this in another way. This is good, too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So what can you tell us uh, about incidents of, of child abuse, child sexual abuse in the United States? Take us to school, please. What <laughs> What should we know? Um, so I know that um, more so than often um, when a child is abused, it's usually through people that they know. So either like a family member or like a trusted person in the community where that'd be like a coach or someone like that. Um, I know that, like I mentioned earlier, because a lot of parents um, may not feel comfortable teaching their kids um, the actual terms for their private areas. A lot of children, a lot of cases don't get the convictions that they deserve. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, um, parents and the child will hold a lot of resentment for that. Um, It's, and that's unfortunate. Um, Also, I know that we like to focus on the girls getting abused and getting uh, molested, but the little boys do too. And not a lot of people talk about that. And I feel like the little boys, their feelings get ignored. Their trauma gets ignored and for them, I feel like when they grow up and they don't deal with it, it's a lot worse and it turns into aggression. And sometimes they become the predators because of that. Hmm. Um, also, another fact um, that I've learned throughout this is that um, women, a lot of people don't talk about this either, but women can be perpetrators too, um, hmm. especially if it's towards a younger man or a, a young boy, because society kind of looks at it like, Oh, you got an older woman. Mm-hmm. It's that's cool, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, oh, you were you were sexually active since you were ten or however old and you was getting all the girls and blah blah blah. Like society likes to spin it that way. But right. like, no, that's still the same thing. Like that child was still getting abused no matter how you try to twist it or turn it. Like, that's not cool. That young boy was being groomed and that's not right. Right, right. We'll be back with more in just a moment. 
I'm David, a legal advocate at our sister's house and one of the many hosts of our podcast, Confabulation. Our Sister's House is a domestic violence advocacy organization that centers on culturally specific care for the black community. Through an intersectional lens, we delve into a variety of topics surrounding domestic violence, mental health, current events, and societal challenges. If you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call OSH at 253-383-4275 or visit our website at OurSister'sHouse.com. Because um, quite often the child knows the person who is abusing them, mm-hmm. there must be stigma associated with that, especially if it's within families or, you know, it's within a close community. Talk to us about the stigma. How do you, how do you break through that? Oh, well, you have to talk about it, point blank, period. Like, you can't, you can't just throw it to the side. You can't just dismiss it. Um, because of whoever that perpetrator was like, oh, that's just so. OK, so, for instance, like I know within what I've seen in the black community, um, families would be like, oh, that's just Uncle Ray Ray. You know, he you know, he not all the way there in the mind or you just got to excuse him. You know what I'm saying? And they just try to brush it under the rug. Mm-hmm. But doing that creates. Like a generational trauma. So it just keeps that trauma just keeps getting passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down right. because it's not being dealt with. Right. How you break that stigma is you have to address it no matter how hard it is. Like, yes, it's going it's going to be a hard conversation, but it has to be addressed. It's no there's no way around it. You can't right. you can't there's no easy way out of that. Right. So I feel like that's how you that's how you got to break it. You got to just face it head on. Not just the stigma, but also the cycle. You know, yeah. the, what you're talking about generation after generation, the abused becomes the abuser. Mm-hmm. You've alluded to this a little bit, but I wonder if you could expound upon it a little bit more. We understand that child sexual abuse can have long term and lasting effects. We're talking about the generational and cyclical effects of, of it. And obviously it affects the individual but could you talk about the effects on families and um, those around the child? Um, so the effects on families. So I can even just speak for myself. Please. Um, I didn't have that conversation with my mom till I was grown. I'd say, and it didn't even that information didn't even come from me. Um, it came from someone else, and I understand that they were probably trying to help, letting somebody know because I was dealing, trying to deal with it mentally and emotionally and it just wasn't working i was right. trying to deal with it on my own right, right. and so I, right. I understand the place they were coming from but um it wasn't their place to do so i feel right. like yeah. <laughs> so um my mom found out that way but we never talked about it again like it was the conversation was just like very brief and i could just tell by like the tone of her voice on the phone and just the energy like she was uncomfortable with it of course and i know that she you know she felt a certain type of way because i'm like I was there. How do I not? How did I not right. recognize that? And to clarify, Devondra, it was your stepfather. Is yes. that right? Is yes. that is that the, was the scenario was? Mm-hmm. It was. Um, so when I told her that I was writing this book, first of all, I didn't even tell her until I was like almost done because <laughs> I I already knew like how that last conversation went years ago. Right. So I was like, okay, let me give her time. And so um, I talked to her about it and it was still, even then it was still very hard for her to really 
fully address it. Um, I gave her a copy of the book and I know it took her a really long time before she could read it. Um, and we talked briefly and she asked me questions and um, I gave her the answer she was looking for. And she just kind of, I know she felt bad because she felt like she didn't protect me, mm-hmm. that she didn't do enough that maybe I wasn't tripping if when I saw the signs. Because one thing that she did say, she was like, I noticed when he was around, wasn't around, you would, you would be more like active and lively and more yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, whenever he'd be around, I'd just kind of be like reclusive or whatever. Mm. And so like stuff like that, like I know she's going, she was going through her head and just like, man, I, I seen it. Why didn't I act on it? Yeah. And so she probably is feeling like, or I know she was feeling like I couldn't even, I couldn't protect my daughter. Guilt. And so just, yeah, so I'll just like kind of reassuring her, like, how could you have really known, you right. know? Like, I I wouldn't tell you. I wouldn't tell anybody. And so don't blame yourself for that. You didn't have anything to do with that. You right. You didn't hurt me. You did the best that you could with what you knew. So that's one way that it can affect families. Um also, just speaking for myself, um, you never know what saying something can do for other people. So, for instance, like um, with my own situation, I've had people within my family come to me and say that they were abused as well um, and by this individual. So, By the same individual, mm-hmm. by your stepfather. Mm-hmm. So that just just me speaking up just broke barriers and chains for them. And they wow. they've been they've never told nobody before either. And they just felt you know, they trusted me to be like So that multiple to me too. multiple members of the same family or the same small community were being victimized by the same person and nobody was talking about it. Mm-mm. Wow. So, again, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. That's why it's important to speak up. Address it. And address it head on because you never know. You just never know. All right. So the detective in me wants to know what happened to your stepfather. <laughs> um. So I haven't talked to him since I left home, at since I left for the military. Um, so my mom and him have been separated. Yeah, my mom and him have been separated since I was like maybe 16, 17. And he moved back home to Tennessee. So um, I don't keep in contact with him. She doesn't keep in contact with him. Um, last I heard, he was he's not doing well. I feel like a lot of the things that he was doing, he's getting that tenfold. Even though he, there wasn't any justice through the criminal system, he's definitely getting that mm-hmm. through karma. And spiritually so. What else should we know um, and what should our our listeners be looking for in terms of perpetrators, um, people who abuse children? What signs should people be looking for and what signs could, should kids be looking for? Back to my friend who um, has experienced it as well. I was just talking with her earlier and she was just telling me a little bit more about her experience. Um with her child, um, how she noticed 
she felt she felt something weird within like the first week of her child being at this uh, daycare. And so like um, basically, why is my child receiving special attention? Like you guys don't give out snacks because of allergies, but my son gets cupcakes and candy and chips and all of that. Why is that? Um, and she noticed um, certain things with, he was potty training everything. All of a sudden it just regressed, right? And she was like, what is going on, you know? And also she noticed how the one of the workers, the worker that was the perpetrator, how they would isolate him, you know, like, you know, give him like, oh, um, if you want to, you don't have to go to do nap time or anything like that, right? Like, just give them that special treatment mm-hmm. and, you know, being, right. like, extra nice and mm-hmm. stuff. And she just didn't have a peace in her spirit about about the place. And it, it came out within, like, the first week or so that her child was there and they got it handled. But that's one sign that you can look for, in, like, just the extra special treatment. Um, I also mentioned that in the book as well. That was something that I went through, too. Like, oh, my mom said I couldn't have... Um, candy or whatever before dinner, but you're sneaking me candy or telling me like, now this is a game, special game that only we play or that we know about, mm-hmm. or um, make sure you don't tell, don't tell anybody, um, because this is just between us. Or even sometimes it comes down to to threats. Like if you tell, I'm gonna hurt your mom or I'm gonna hurt your brothers or sisters or whoever that you care about, right? So things like that, I believe, are some signs to look for. Those are classic grooming behaviors, Mm -hmm. right? Those are some things to look for within the within a perpetrator. Um, With your child, um, like I mentioned before, if they're potty trained, but they're all of a sudden they're pooping and peeing on themselves, right? Or um, like for me, I was more talkative and active, but I became more quiet. Or um, if they're all of a sudden doing bad in school, like when they were like a straight A student. Mm Or even, or even the opposite, like if they were not so good in school or maybe like behavior-wise they weren't so good at home, but all of a sudden they're extremely good and extremely just, oh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and they don't normally do that. Mm-hmm. That's something to be like, okay, like, yes, I like this behavior. I like that right, you're changing right. this around, but, but this is like extreme. extreme right. This is an extreme change, and it happened quickly, yeah. you know. Um, those are a few signs to... To just keep your eye on. And there's a, a lot more that I put in the book as well. So, As we discussed earlier, your book is written from the perspective of a child. Who's your target audience, Devondra? Who do you want to read and use the book? So I, I intended for um, young children to read it, read the book and to help them. But I also wanted to minister to the adults as well. Um, I want the book to speak to that inner child in the adult. Mm-hmm. And if, they, if they've if they experienced that type of trauma growing up and they haven't dealt with it, I want this to be um, the catalyst to, you know, starting that healing process. Just talking to that inner child and healing that inner child within them. I've had a few adults so far come up to me and be like, I read your book and I went through that exact same thing and I never dealt with it. And this just really blessed my soul. Wow. I was like, I'm so I'm happy that I'm happy you did that. Like that's that's what I want. 
if I can just help at least one person, child or adult, you know, just deal with that, I've accomplished my mission for this book. You started a very important conversation, yes. for sure. For those who are uh, who who are listening and they want to buy the book, where is it available? Here's the opportunity for advertising. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys can go to noblebebold.com and purchase the book there online. You can also send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. Um, both tags are noblebebold.com. Feel free to follow me there on those pages as well. If you're in Washington um, and you're in the Tacoma area, I can deliver it to you as well versus you having to pay the postage fees and all of that. <laughs> but anywhere, anybody outside of the, that area, um, just go to novabebo.com and order order your copy. So are there more books in your future? Um, I am planning one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about one in particular. Yes. I'm not going to give too many details. Um, but I have, I have like a little draft, um, an idea of how I want this book to go. Um, it's, com- it'll be totally different from Nova B. Bold. Um, but I also do want to write other books connected with Nova B. Bold. Um, I want to write one for the boys because I kind of I wrote this from my perspective mm-hmm. as a woman right. or as a little from a little girl's perspective right. but I also want to um, address the guys too yeah so I want to I probably the next one connected to Nova will probably be more for like the male adults gotcha and dealing with that population all right well we're gonna have to have you back and talk about the next chapter yes yes <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here. As I said, you've started a very, very important conversation. It's a serious conversation. Yes. It's uh, not light and breezy, but it's absolutely necessary to remove absolutely. the stigma and the, the cycle of abuse. So, Devondra Wheeler, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode, please support the work of Elevate Health by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and by leaving a rating and review. Please also like, subscribe, or follow Elevate Health Podcasts wherever you are listening so that you will never miss an episode. This episode of Elevate Health Podcast was produced by Robert Marshall Wells, Joshua Wiersma, and Kelsey Horn. Original music was composed by Riley Eggy, and this episode was engineered and edited by Joshua Wiersma. Please like, subscribe, or follow Elevate Health Podcasts wherever you are listening, so you will never miss an episode.